Good morning. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and enjoyed uh, fellowship with family, with friends uh, throughout this week. Uh, we still have ours coming up. We uh, celebrate our Christmas get-together on New Year's Day. Um, you know, there's fireworks on New Year's Day, so I mean, that's kind of the, the draw there, but we do that uh, every year, so we're looking forward to that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're moving back into our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and this week we're looking at uh, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Uh, I sometimes let people know I used to be merciful, uh, but really it's mercy that never goes away. There are some things that are common among us humans. One is, is that we all breathe. And if you're not breathing, you're not a living human, okay? We breathe. Uh, something else about us humans is that we eat. Isn't that great? Love that we get to eat. We have to take in nourishment. If we don't take in nourishment, these bodies will not continue to function. Uh, we feel. We both feel with our hands and we feel with our hearts. We emote. We have emotions. These are some common things regarding being human. Uh, we also, as human beings, think. Some better than others, but we all think. We're a thinking being. We can discern what is right, what is wrong, things like this. When we look at these Beatitudes, what we see is we see common things among believers. These are all things that are common among believers. What's being described in these Beatitudes, if you will, is a kingdom people in a foreign land looking for home. And they are living as citizens of that foreign land. We live according to the reign of the kingdom of God. And so all of these things are helping us to see this. You know, the first three Beatitudes spoke of our emptiness and our poverty. That we have nothing to bring. We bring nothing of our own into the kingdom of God. Once we realize our empty, sinful, and ungodly condition in light of the holiness of God, we are transformed through faith in Jesus Christ, which leads to our own pursuit of righteousness. As we grow in that righteousness, as we grow in that pursuit, we are able to see more and more the mercy God has shown to us. Isn't that true? Don't you see more now how merciful God has been to you than when you first became a believer? I certainly do. I certainly see how merciful God is. As we look at this, we think of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive 
mercy. The more I got into my study, the more I realized there were some things that we need to understand about mercy that I can't cover all of them today. But first of all, we will deal with today mercy as caring concern for a bruised reed. The Old Testament describes Jesus as, a, uh, as someone uh, who will not break a bruised reed. In other words, someone who is broken in their life. Uh, someone who has fallen. Someone who is poor. Impoverished. So mercy is caring for a bruised reed. Caring for. Ministering to. Having compassion for. Another way of looking at mercy is mercy is kindness that restores. Mercy is kindness that restores. We'll kind of be looking at both of these two today. More than the third. And that is mercy as forgiveness. Forgiving from a merciful heart. It's helpful to be reminded that blessed in this context and in these verses is referring to our satisfaction in God. That we're satisfied with God. We find our satisfaction in Him. And each one of these characteristics, each one of these qualities, blessed are the merciful. We don't find those as a burden. We find those as satisfying. I'm satisfied in being merciful. I'm satisfied in God who has made me merciful. Who has given me mercy. Not a burden to be merciful in other words. But instead, being merciful or becoming merciful uh, is realizing and is that we are becoming more like Jesus. So in looking at this today, I want us to look, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. I want to look at the origin of mercy. Where does it come from? If someone is merciful, how did they get to be merciful? Secondly, I want us to notice the demonstration of mercy. What's mercy look like? Do you know it when you see it? And thirdly, I want us to consider some ways that we can grow in mercy. How we can grow in mercy. So first of all, the origin of mercy. Jesus says here, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Jesus is saying, the merciful will receive mercy. Can't, can't help but say that. It, that's exactly what he's saying. The merciful will receive mercy. The implication is, in this text is not that one receives mercies because 
He is merciful. The implication is that those who are merciful have realized their empty and bankrupt souls before a holy God and have received mercy from Him. When we come to know Christ in, in our joy, what do we do? We pursue righteousness and we extend mercy to others and that builds over time, really, if you will. This thought of mercy coming from God, the merciful will receive mercy. They receive mercy because they've been, they have received mercy already. And God has caused them to be merciful and they will receive mercy ultimately one day. Jesus summarizes this in Luke chapter 6 verse 36 with a simple sentence. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. We're to imitate Him. We're to put on display the character, the attribute of mercy toward others. One way that we could see this example lived out is by looking at a parable in Matthew chapter 18. Turn with me there if you will. Matthew chapter 18. There we find the parable of the unforgiving servant. Allow me a moment to read this. Just to remind you of the parable that Jesus is telling. And know what, what precedes this and what prompts Jesus to tell this parable is... Peter saying, Lord, how many times do I need to forgive my brother? Seven times seven. Jesus said, uh, 70 times seven. And then he breaks into this parable. Let me read it. Verse 23, chapter 18 of Matthew. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, uh, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents <coughs> excuse me and since he could not pay his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that they had and payment to be made so the servant fell on his knees imploring him have patience with me and I will pay you everything and out of pity for him the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt but when that same servant went out he found one of his fellow servants who hold, owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should, you, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Listen to it. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you 
if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. There's that tie of forgiveness and mercy. This servant pleaded with the master, give me time, I'll pay it back, and he forgave him. He had been forgiven of two, listen, a talent for a laborer is 20 years worth of wages. That's what one talent is. So this guy owed 200,000 years of wages to his master. That's a lot, right? Okay? That's a lot. That's a lot of maxed out credit cards and stuff like that. I mean, that's a lot. 200,000 years of wages. Master said, forgiven. You don't have to pay it back. I mean, walked out the door, saw a fellow servant, ran up to him, and began to choke him. For a couple of days' wages. He had been forgiven much but was not merciful as a result. The expectation found in the parable is that one who forgives, is forgiven much, should love much, and show mercy from the heart. In other words, he didn't view the master's forgiving of the debt as mercy, he viewed the forgiving of the debt as deserved. It's the only way you could have seen it. And not deserved mercy, or not shown mercy. Folks, I want you to know, not one of us deserve the mercy God has shown us. Not one. The best of us in here cannot say I deserve mercy and forgiveness from God it is a precious beautiful overwhelming gift mercy flows from a heart that has seen is sinfulness and received mercy. Not what was deserved, but what was given as a gift from God. Mercy originates in the mercy that God shows us. And it is manifested in our showing mercy to others. Those who are children of the kingdom, those who are citizens of the kingdom, are merciful. Because they have received the mercy of God. Secondly, I want us to see the demonstration of mercy. And perhaps the best demonstration parable that we find is we find that of the Good Samaritan. Look with me at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. 
Of course, the setting here is that Jesus is uh, answering some questions of the lawyers, that is the scribes. These are people who know the scripture perhaps better than anyone else in all of Israel. They're the ones who copy down the scriptures over and over again. And they were often referred to as lawyers because they know the law better than anyone. And so, uh, the question comes, what do I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? The answer comes. He said, do this and you will live. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in the, in the wrong place here. Uh, chapter 10, verse 30. I'm in the, uh, a different place. Now, here we go. Verse 30 is what I want. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. We see a display of mercy from an uh, unlikely character Jesus puts into the narrative, into the parable. A Samaritan. Uh, both a Levite and a priest, these are prominent men in the Jewish religion, pass by on the other side. I mean, can you imagine walking down the road, seeing a dude laying over there bloody and dirty and off on the side of the road, obviously has been beaten up or something like that, and they just kind of go on over to the other side. They passed on by. Perhaps they had a meeting that they were already late for, you know. Uh, perhaps they had been late getting home on some consecutive nights, and the wife said, don't you be late tonight. I'm cooking a special dinner. Most likely, however, they were concerned about ceremonial law of being unclean. I'm assuming that the guy that got beat up by robbers and left for dead was unconscious. And perhaps they may have gone over there if they knew he was alive. But if a Levite or a priest had gone over there and turned him over and seen that he was dead, they would have been ceremonially unclean. They would have had to go through all these rituals and things like that. Their religion was a higher priority than helping a person in need. We need to note that. Jesus didn't accidentally put a Levite and a priest in there. 
He did that on purpose because of those who were asking him the questions. Their religion, this is religion that is unproductive religion, by the way, was a higher priority than helping a person in need. Jesus makes this point to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 9 uh, on, on another occasion where he is sitting back and he is reclining at table with tax collectors and sinners. In verse 11 it says, And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he, Jesus, heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I'm not sure if they connected that they were the ones who were well or who presumed themselves to be well. Go and learn what this means. And then he quotes Hosea 6, 6. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Hosea uh, 6, 6 tells us that. And he, he says, I, I'm not interested in your burnt offerings. That's what follows that in 6.6. 6. Jesus here is quoting this text, and the Pharisees hopefully are getting it. Mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy, not religion. You see in the parable of the uh, good Samaritan, they wouldn't go near because of the uncleanness that may come on them. You see, they were exercising <clears throat> and utilizing unbiblical scruples to avoid doing what the law or what the Word of God demands. Their scruples were that's against my religion. I, I can't be unclean. I have a duty to do later. And I can't do it if I'm unclean. He's just going to have to lay there and rot. This was the Pharisees' way and their thinking. They thought themselves godly in this way. You know, if it seems your life is a mechanical implementation of rules. Welcome to Pharisaism. Legalism is lethal to mercy. Legalism is a feast for pride and arrogance. One cannot show mercy. In the practice of a dead religion. Yet I want us to pay attention to what the. To the Samaritan who stopped. What was it that. We notice in him. 
Because this is where we find mercy being enacted. Who was his neighbor? What did Jesus say? Or what did the guy say? He, he knew. He saw the story. The one who had mercy on him. Go and do likewise. Well, what did the Samaritan do in this parable? In this story that Jesus said? Well, first, let's notice what he did not do. He didn't try to track down the robbers and administer justice to them. You know? I mean, he wasn't going along the road, and he coming along to this guy, and he said, man, who did this to you? The guy's unconscious. And he said, oh, here's some footprints. I'm going to go after them. That's not what he did. So he didn't go to enact justice on a wrong done. He didn't start an organization to raise awareness of crime on public roads. He didn't start a GoFundMe to take care of this guy's needs. What did he do? It tells us that he took the guy, picked him up, put him on his own animal, carried him into town. When he was there, he got his two bags off. One was wine, one was uh, water, and then another bag that had oil, and he went in there and he cared for the wounds. And he fed him, and he gave him something to drink. The next morning, he got up, he went to the innkeeper. He said, look, this dude's going to have to stay here a few days. Whatever you need to do to take care of him, take care of him. I'll pay you on my way back. I'll take care of it. Let me tell you what mercy looks like. The Samaritan probably got pretty dirty getting down there, picking up an unconscious man, throwing him over his shoulder, and then throwing him on his animal. He more than likely had some blood on his clothes as a result. picked the man up and put him in, and then he took the things that he had and he used them to care for the man on the side of the road. Money out of his own pocket. The promise of more money for the man he was leaving him in his care. He spent money, a couple of days' wages, to care for his needs. He probably had saved that money up to care for something else that he needed. But he paid it out. He was demonstrating mercy. Mercy is personally risky and messy. It was messy, God saving the likes of me. It was messy, the, God saving the likes of you. Mercy is personally risky and messy. Mercy is a kindness that is one-sided, oftentimes. 
It's extended to one who has nothing to contribute and is often undeserving. And that person is often undeserving of the kindness that is being shown. And isn't that true of us? When God saved us, when he showed us mercy, go and do likewise, Jesus says. Go and do this in the lives of others around you. Go and care for the poor. Be compassionate. Go and embrace the filthy and the lost. It's risky. It's messy. As we look at this, we need to understand that God, blessed are the merciful. Why? They rejoice and are glad and going and showing mercy to others. They rejoice in it. They're glad to do it. So often we pass by, let them go, see someone in need. Now, Trust me, I'm the guy who will tell you every need is not your responsibility. You're going to come across needs that it's just not yours to take care of. But we need to understand that this mercy he's calling us to, it is risky and it is messy. You know, for years, I, about 10 years of the beginning of my ministry, I spent doing benevolence, mission work, things like that. Man, you're talking about messy. You think, yeah, that kind of work's always messy. Well, let me tell you something. So is being in the pastorate. So is pastoring a church. It's messy. Got to show mercy to a lot of people. Got to forgive a lot of people. We, we have people that will pass by and they're very religious but not going to lift a finger to help someone who's in truly need, true need. God expects it of us. You've received mercy, go do mercy. Get a little personal here. I know that's always uncomfortable, isn't it? A little transparency. In 10 years of doing mission work, it was terrible. I dealt with abused children. I dealt with orphans. I dealt with women of ill repute. I dealt with drug dealers. I dealt with gang members. I dealt with drug addicts, alcoholics, homeless The pastorate, I've dealt with many of the same. And you know, through the years, over 25 years, 30 years of doing ministry, one thing you start doing is you start building up walls to guard your heart. To guard your heart from how risky and messy mercy can be. 
But I want you to know, the walls didn't start coming up when I was doing the ministry to those who knew they needed help. It was the religious people that caused me to build walls around my heart. It was the religious who knew no mercy, nor knew how to give it. It's interesting how mercy is so attractive to the people who know they need it. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the ones who love caring for broken reeds. Bruised reeds. Helplessness. So that they might see God and hear of His love in the in the gospel. The demonstration of mercy. The example Jesus said, good Samaritan. Go do what he did. Go do what that guy did. Go live that out. That's mercy. We all have need to grow in mercy. All of us, to some degree, as believers in Jesus Christ, as citizens of the kingdom of God, have mercy built in us. And it's being transformed day by day, being made new, growing. How do we do that? How do we grow in it? Let me close with these thoughts. First of all is to know the mercy of God. Do you know the mercy of God? I tell you, the best way for us to see God's mercy is to recognize the holiness of God. No blemish. All glorious. Exalted. Creator. Sustainer. Totally holy. Set apart. No obligation to save anyone, yet He does. Saves the likes of us, right? And then to see the sinfulness of my sin. The sinfulness of my nature. To look at that and to see the stark distinction between sinful man, myself, and holy God gives us an understanding of how beautiful mercy is and how merciful God has been. Know Him. God longs to show you mercy. Do you all realize that? He wants to show you mercy. That's the attitude we should have, really. We want to show mercy. Thomas Watson 
It's quoted here. An expositing passage in Exodus. And this is the phrase. The Lord merciful and gracious. He says this. Are we under the guilt of sin? There is a promise. The Lord merciful and gracious. Where God as it were, puts on his glorious embroidery and holds out the golden scepter to encourage poor trembling sinners to come. The Lord, merciful, he continues. Listen to this. This is so sweet. God is more willing to pardon than to punish. Mercy does more multiply in him than sin in us. Mercy is his nature, he continues. He shows mercy not because we deserve mercy, but because he delights in mercy. He delights in mercy. God is happy. To show you mercy. And in the joy of the Lord, that should be our attitude toward being merciful to sinners and to those who have been sinned against. Those who are broken. Those who know they have need. He delights in mercy. You ever shown mercy? Have you ever fed the hungry or sheltered the homeless? Have you ever helped the broken child whose father had thrown him through a wall? Have you ever extended mercy to those who are very much unlike you? Because mercy is always about extending itself to those who are very much unlike us. You want an example? Holy God, sinful man. We are very much unlike him. And there he is delighting and showing Mercy. Oh, that we could find opportunity day in and day out to discover the delight of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Oh, my prayer for this was that you and I would grow in our hearts being merciful. Secondly, first, in growing in mercy, know the mercy of God. See the contrast between a holy God and sinful man, yourself. Secondly, expect to get bloody and dirty and brokenhearted in being merciful. In living out 
the mercy of God and showing mercy to others, you will get bloody and dirty and broken hearted. It's risky and it's messy. Yet showing mercy through it all will become a growing desire of your heart. Why? Because the more you see your need for mercy, the more you see and delight in showing mercy. Lastly, look forward to the ultimate mercy of the kingdom of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Man, we have received mercy, hadn't we? Yes, we have. But there's ultimate mercy coming. I'm going to tell you, there is a weight to doing good things, to being merciful. You feel it in this world as you do it. Certainly, various people throughout their years, and you perhaps have felt it too, just the weight of time, the weight of resources, the weight of responsibility, the weight of stress, all the weight of mercy and putting on display mercy. Showing mercy to others. Do y'all know that there is a day coming when the children of the kingdom of God will have no one really to show mercy to. But we will eternally receive mercy. We will always be in a place before God. Isn't it great? Always be in a place before God. And we will never deserve to be there. It will always be because someone who is very much not like us chose to come into our life. Jesus Christ chose to make himself known and save us. Go and do likewise. Go and be like him. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And Father, I pray that you would grow mercy in us. There's so many ways, Lord, where we can throw up unbiblical scruples. And avoid showing mercy to others. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to put on display the mercy, Lord, we have received. Father, that you would help us to make known the word of life to bruised reeds, to broken families, broken children, broken lives. Help us, Lord, 
to give what is needed. So that restoration can come into the lives of people, their homes, their communities. God help us as a people in a foreign land looking toward home. To not be dissuaded of being merciful. Lord, help us to surrender to your spirit, to your word, and live out, God, all you've called us to. In Jesus' name.